You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton, Dylan Terriman, and Alex Varallo. Good evening, uh, Jet Nation Radio. Uh, this is your long-lost host, Alex Ferralo, checking in. It's been a while since I've been on the show, and um, right off the bat, special thanks to Dylan and Glenn filling in for me um, while I've uh, not been available. And uh, I must say I'm eager and excited to be back on the show and talking some Jets football. And I am joined tonight uh, with my buddy, Dylan. And uh, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing well. You're long lost, but happily found. We're glad to get you back in the mix. It's been pretty tough getting all three of us on all together. Our schedule's conflicting and whatnot, but as long as we have two of us, I think it makes for great content. So happy to have you back, and we have some news to get into. Absolutely. Uh, Full disclosure, folks, um, it's allergy season for me. I've been fighting a head cold, so I do apologize if I sound a little uh, abnormal tonight. Um, you know, I can't, um, make an excuse for my normal behavior cause that's always abnormal, but maybe I sound a little weird to you tonight. Um, just dealing with some allergies. So I'm going to forge through it. Uh, but yeah, Dylan, um, you know, we're going to, uh, do a couple quick hits tonight. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter show than we normally do. Um, not having big Glenn in the house, um, you know, leading point. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be you and I to roll through a couple of these topics, But before we get into uh, the meat and potatoes of everything, uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Mile Social. And if uh, you're a company that's looking to expand uh, your business's social media platform, then Mile Social is your go-to plan. Um, They will help you expand your company, web design management, search engine optimization, and also increase your marketing on a social media level. You can find them at M-I-L-E. S-O-C-I-A-L dot com. That is milesocial.com. All right. So let's just go over some of uh, the topics that we're going to be getting into this evening, Dylan. Um, You and I had spoken briefly before the show, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, our new rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, and and some of the things that we've been hearing and seeing from Twitter off the beat. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about Makai Beckton's situation. We'll each share our opinions on how we feel about that. Um, there was some contract negotiations that were done this week that we would like to discuss as well. And uh, we're going to talk about how that may affect the future of this team and maybe what direction they should be going. And then lastly, we got to talk about uh, a, a new young rookie that I know you're very excited about, and I am too. Um, and we're going to talk about who is getting all the buzz early on uh, during the uh, – minicamp OTAs and all that that stuff that's going down right as we speak. So, Dylan, I'm going to throw uh, the ball to you right off the bat. And um, what is your uh, consensus and thoughts thus far um, from what you've seen about Zach Wilson and uh, what he's been doing uh, in camp? I think um, so far in his first 60 days as a Jet, hasn't even been 60 days since he's been drafted, um, everything – 
has been going smoothly for the most part. He's had some up and downs, which is to be expected. But based on what the beat writers have been putting out, the play-by-play analysis on Twitter, which has been, you know, phenomenal, even like the little short gain by Ty Johnson has just been great to just see and interact on Twitter with. So, But he's thrown touchdowns to a majority of the starters. You look at Davis, Mims, touchdown in the, today. I don't think he did any work with the ones. So Moore, Cole, Berrios, I'm pretty sure one of the Smiths caught a touchdown from him. And then you look at the tight ends, Herndon, Croft, Griffin, Brown, I'm pretty sure have all caught t- uh, touchdowns from him. So he's spreading the ball around, getting chemistry with everybody. It's just great to see. Um, the, the scheme of this offense is just based off reps. I mean, offensively and defensively, it's just based on reps. So everything's a positive that's been reported. You don't see any consecutive rookie mistakes. So, you know, he's learning from what he's, you know, seeing. He had that one play where Mosley dropped back in coverage and almost intercepted it, but it seemed like he bounced back and learned from that. So everything uh, has been positive there. And then the coaches have been raving about just his film habits and work ethic. So that's just the extra layer on top that you like to read about. And the one thing I've noted is that most of his interceptions have come off like deflected passes or plays where he was anticipating the receiver to look around and he didn't turn around fast enough. So it hit him, but then it popped up in the air. So it doesn't look like a lot of plays where he's just getting baited into coverages and throwing picks where he's not reading the defense right. I'm sure there have been some like that, but it doesn't seem like the majority have been that way. So everything's trending upward. You like what you see. Hopefully when they put the pads on, it continues and everything in the film room continues and he just becomes a sponge and learns this offense inside and out and can lead the way. Yeah, uh, wholeheartedly agree there. And and I think what's interesting is that usually this time of the year, um, you know, being that we're always talking about new offensive systems for our quarterbacks, um, usually the defense has a little bit more of the edge over the offense, you know, early on. And, and, you know, that's to be expected because you got new guys Mm -hmm. in there, new personnel, new scheme, you know, everyone's trying to gel with one another. So it is quite interesting to see that, you know, it almost seems like the offense is – you know, it, not in stride, let's say, but they, they seem to be um, gelling a little quickly and, and getting, you know, this LaFleur system down. And, you know, everything that I hear about, you know, the, the Shanahan system coming over um, into our scheme is it's very QB friendly. Um, and, I you know, I don't know if you take that as a good thing or a bad thing, but we haven't really had a system that matches the quality or the talent of our quarterback. It seems like we've always tried to take, um, what's that thing, you know, the square peg into a round hole or, you know, maybe I said that backwards, but, you know, we're always trying mm-hmm. to fit something in that maybe doesn't work for the particular player. So I like the fact that we're, you know, trying to orchestrate um, the scheme into, you know, our player skill, skill level and their talent. So definitely uh, like to hear the good things coming from the quarterback situation. Hopefully that continues. I mean, we do need to see some, you know, hear about some lumps here and there because it can't just all be, you know, perfection. And then, you know, when we go into right. the regular season, we'll be shell-shocked if things start going awry. So, you know, hopefully the, the young look gets his lumps out now and um, learns from them before we actually get into real football games. So, yeah, very exciting. Um, you know, I kind of feel that we're still in the honeymoon stage since, since April from the draft positivity left and right. Um, I've never really seen it uh, this way in a very long time. So uh, 
I'm, it's I'm happy and I'm also a little <laughs> tentative. Yeah, it is definitely refreshing for sure. But the old Jets mm-hmm. fan in me that that's been around this team for thirty plus years tells me that you know some the shoe's going to drop at some point and you know something's going to change. But um, glad to see that you know it's a lot of positive vibes coming from Florham Park these days. And uh, yeah, let's just hope that Zach continues to you know build on what what's currently going on and and a lot of the things that we heard about you know about his work ethic his film study um he's all ball things like that and and right now um nothing has been said to uh you know defy or you know uh say otherwise from from those uh those takes coming from you know scouts and things like that so good things coming from uh zach wilson uh all right so um you know, this is uh, something that, you know, I may be more concerned about than, than other fans. And I know uh, Glenn talked about it briefly last week. And, and we're going to pivot to Makai Becton here. Um, we'll start with some good news that Robert Sala said that he feels that he should be ready for training camp. So I definitely feel that that's a, a positive situation. But for those of you that, that may not know what's going on with Becton, he's dealing with a plantar fasciitis situation here. And, um, you know, from from my experience seeing this with other players, um, even from other sports, football, and and from baseball, um, that is the largest ligament um, on your on your body, and it's right near the heel to the you know inward step of your foot. And um, what happens is it's like it creates like these little tears and little micro, um, like not fractures, but like micro tears within that ligament. And apparently it's extremely painful. It's you're in constant discomfort, um, applying pressure to that area, um, you know, can, can be quite uh, debilitating. And, you know, it goes from being having waves of stiffness and pain to being very tender to the touch. And for me, it, it really seems like, you know, maybe we're not worried about it now, but if something happens, you know, in a, in a few weeks as we get closer to training camp, and, and our big left guy, our left tackle, who's playing the blind side, is not available for us. That is a little alarming um, this early on that, you know, he's going to be dealing with uh, something that could possibly be slowing him down. Um, somebody that big trying to be nimble and you already have, you know, one of your uh, – I don't know if it's his left foot or his right foot, and, you know, that could make a big difference. Um, but I'm no expert. I never played offensive line, so – I wouldn't be able to speak on that. But, yeah, for me, I, I am definitely a little concerned, and I'm kind of hoping that this isn't something that, that carries on throughout the season. And uh, hopefully Joe Douglas, you know, has some sort of plan in place or is working on a plan um, in the event that, that Mr. Becton has to miss any sort of training camp or any time or anything of that nature. You know, at this point, let him heal, let him get better so we can see him in September week one. Um, what are your thoughts about the Becton situation, Dylan? Yeah, I, I have to tend to agree with that. I think keeping him off his feet, which is something that Rob Sala uh, mentioned today, just making sure that he's not putting too much stress on it. And I think, like he said, he should be ready for training camp. Hopefully this doesn't worsen over time. You you hope that he's taking the right steps. Um, he met with the media today, so it seems like he's focusing on getting back out on the field. I'm sure that walking around practice in street clothes has got to be a killer for any professional player, especially one that's injured and, you know, physically can't get out there and do it. So 
I mean, he, he's got to maintain his weight. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but when you're a man mm. of his size, you have to worry about lower body injuries. We were talking about this a little bit before the show, and he's he's the largest guy on our team. So no matter what, he any lower wet, like body injury from the waist down is going to be worrisome to some degree. It's a knee, a thigh, an ankle, a foot, even a toe, you know, it's a lot of weight to put on it. And if one foot is hurt, then you have to transition and you have to put all your other weight on to your other foot, <clears throat> which then could create an injury there. So, so it's just best to be safe, be cautious. Don't put them out there until July. I think July 31st, the last day of July, they get to go back into camp. So just hold them out until then. And even if he's not ready week one against the Giants in preseason, just just let him naturally work his way back in. There's no need to rush it, which I feel like we saw – last year a lot coming in and out of all the games, you know, sitting out a drive and going into the half and coming back out and wanting to play and then not finishing the game. We saw that just too many times. So just get him at a hundred percent, make sure nothing's wrong with him. He's going to be supposedly the best offensive lineman we have. So just don't risk it. Let's get him back into camp healthy and let's roll because Zach Wilson's going to need all the protection he can get. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of, you know, just really interesting, well, not interesting, um, just kind of odd how both of our biggest guys and both of our, you know, first-round picks from the last few years um, are dealing with foot injuries right now. Um, you know, the other one is Quinnen Williams, which we haven't really heard much from. And, uh, you know, those are right. two yep. big foundation pieces you know, on this team. And, you know, that's going to change the dynamics of this entire roster if either of those two guys, you know, happen to be dealing with um, any setbacks, dealing with their, their feet. And, you know, um, as the quote is, slow feet don't eat. And, um, you know, we need these yep. guys to be quick, nimble, to do their job. You know, one of them's protecting the quarterback, the other one's getting after him. So, you know, big, big pieces of the puzzle here. And, um, you know, it's early. Um, it's mid-June, so there's plenty of time. And, you know, hopefully – our training office has a uh, a good plan in place for both of these gentlemen. And, and, you know, we we're really hoping that this gets past them and, you know, moving forward, uh, you know, we will see both of these individuals for all 16 games, Oh, 16 games, listen to me, all 17 games. 17, this right? year. I have it's, not been it's able funny to you mentioned into that as of yet. Yeah. Right. It's funny you mentioned Quinnen though, because, We've all seen the video going out around media day of, you know, Mekhi Becton laughing at Quinnen, trying to make the mad face and everything. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they're mm-hmm. very good friends. Obviously, we don't know how close they are, but we can assume they're very close. And the one thing I, I remember from Quinnen's rookie year to his second year was that he started eating a lot better. And when Makai mm. uh, met with the media today, he mentioned that he's hired a personal chef and he's eating right. He's making sure that he's putting the right things into his body. Uh, when asked about specifics, he said he's staying in the fish and veggies lane. So, you know, he's trying to do everything he can to maintain a healthy playing weight. You know, we, nobody can say what his weight should be, but whatever he feels comfortable playing at should be the weight he aims to maintain. But it's just good to know that he is at least taking the, the steps off the field to get himself better on the field. Yeah, that, that's the way you got to do it. I mean, you got to figure at this point he's gotten by with, you know, some good good coaching obviously coming from um, their their collegiate schools. And, 
Uh, but, you know, a lot of talent and things like that have carried them over to this point. So now it's transitioning into the professional world and, you know, your body is your moneymaker. So, you know, what you put in, you get out. So that, that makes a lot of sense. And good to see that the yep. young man is, um, you know, following, you know, what some other, you know, professionals have done to keep themselves um, in this game for the long term rather than the short. So, all right. So this is going to bring us to our next topic here. And uh, we're going to get into uh, the Jamison Crowder situation here. A lot of, uh, you know, rumor speculation going from mid to late last week. And then early this week, we got some news about uh, his contract being restructured, which is, I think, a really, really good thing because, you know, Mike McCagnin, you know, hampered this team down with a couple, you know, questionable deals with certain players and, made it lucrative early on, but we were kind of paying out the nose on the back end of these contracts. And, you know, fortunately Joe Douglas has been able to find a way to restructure some deals with certain players um, just to keep the salary cap in, you know, in, in the right place. And, um, you know, and it shows, I guess, a lot from the characters of these individuals. I mean, why would anybody in, in this gruesome sport that they play where, you know, basically, any given moment, you could be completely done um, taking less money and, and restructuring deals and doing things like that. Now, I don't know the contract details of how this has been restructured or reworked. I'm not sure if you saw any information about that, Dylan. But, uh, you know, I've always said this, you know, from, you know, recent weeks on our uh, group chat. You know, I feel that our wide receiver group is probably one of the strongest on this team. And I think that that's, that's great for our young quarterback and the that's something that I don't think we've been able to say in the years past. Usually we're always stacked on the defensive side and then, you know, we're hoping and, and, and praying that certain guys emerge into, you know, greatness on the offensive side. So uh, glad to, you know, see that Crowder is going to be a part of this team this year. Um, He is a reliable guy that you can go to in the red zone and on third down situations to keep the chains moving. And, you know, um, Elijah Moore to kind of, you know, mentor off of him and, and see the way that he goes about his game. You know, I think that that's also very good because more than likely this is Crowder's last year with us. And then, you know, we'll be moving forward with Elijah Moore and, um, you know, but to have our strength and to have depth at that position for Zach Wilson, I think that that's really, really solid. Yeah. In terms of the contract itself, I haven't seen any um, exact terms of what his pay cut would be. I looked shortly before coming on just to make sure there wasn't anything reported, and it still shows his 10.3 uh, savings. So I would hmm. just assume we've seen the rumors of 50% uh, pay cut, potentially more. Um, so I'm just going to go out and assume that it's somewhere in the 5 to $6 million range, which would put him uh, on par with what, Keenan Cole or Keelan Cole, excuse me, is supposed to make this year. Uh, I think he's supposed to make 5.5. So I would just say roughly in that range is what uh, Jamison Crowder is probably going to make heading into this year. Uh, He still becomes a free agent next year, regardless. Um, That doesn't change anything. So it's probably beneficial for both parties because as it looks now, the, the slot receiver specifically if you take away Mims and uh, Davis on the outside and you look at the four on the interior, you have Crowder back, Keelan Cole, 
Elijah Moore and Braxton Berrios. I think that's like that's a top slot wide receiver group. Um, I'm not going to stack it up against other teams in the league currently until we see it, but on paper, just what we've seen as well with the chemistry in camp, that looks like a really strong group. Um, and then as far as Crowder goes, I, he still thinks that the offense is going to eat, especially the wide receiver group. He's excited, played in this offense or <clears throat> a similar version of it uh, under Sean McVay in Washington in 2015 and 2016 when he first came out as a rookie. Um so I think from that standpoint, he's going to pick up the offense fairly quickly. He's not going to fall behind. He's a veteran. He's smart. He he knows what he's doing uh, on the field. It's just a matter of getting caught up off the field in the playbook. And I think in terms of long-term with the team, I would say that if he goes out and does what he has done in the past for the, for the Jets the last two years, which is, you know, six to 800 yards and six touchdowns each year, it's worth bringing him back on a flyer for next year. Obviously, you like Elijah Moore and what he could do, but he's not just a slot guy. You can play him outside as well. So you could look at a trio of, you know, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and Jamison Crowder. And then you just have multiple options. So I think for the short and long term, it helps the Jets. You know, they get more cap space. They had a lot already, but never hurts to have more. And Jamison Crowder is back and hopefully he'll be productive like he's always been for the green and white. And it makes me excited. I've been on the fence about, you know, should we cut him? Should we keep him all year? I actually had a tweet mm-hmm. that says uh, it's like cut Crowder, draft more, save money, live better. And uh, I don't stand by it today, but I think if they attack the wide receiver position more in the draft or free agent or what have you, maybe is possible, but I like what they have cooking now at the wide receiver position. And it has to get you excited. Yeah, and definitely. And you brought up a, a really good point here because it, what it's going to do is it's going to give the Jets a little bit more money back on the salary cap. And, you know, by no means have we building out this roster. Um, you know, it does not end at, after the draft. You know, there's going to be camp cuts. There's going to be some moves. There's going to be, you know, some players that are maybe let go because of contract situations. So, you know, the Jets are putting themselves in a really good position to where if there is a player or a few players that, you know, they're, they're targeting that they have on their radar, you know, they should be able to go out and, you know, be aggressive, um, whether it's, you know, a one-year show-me deal or if it's going to be, you know, maybe a three-year deal or, you know, something like that um, to build some depth to, the, to this lineup. And, you know, there, there are still some positions um, on this team that, I feel, and I believe, you know, a lot of people can say that we, we could kind of use some improvement. Um, you know, mainly I would say offensively, we could use some depth at the offensive line in, in case if, you know, particular people that we spoke about tonight um, end up getting hurt. And then, you know, on the defensive side too, there's a couple positions out there that have some question marks on, you know, who's going to be that, that other pass rusher opposite side of Carl Lawson. Um, you know, how is this cornerback room going to pan out? Um, Jets haven't really done a lot at, with the nickelback cornerback position, and it looks like we're going to be looking to, you know, maybe a rookie in Michael Carter or, you know, I believe he was a UDFA in Javelin Gidry last year, um, or, you know, addition by subtraction with these safeties that are kind of versatile. Um, we really don't know how Salah's going to go about this, but if the Jets do feel that they need to go out and get somebody – 
um, they're putting themselves in a very good position financially to, to get aggressive. And so with that said, and this new savings coming our way, what position or what, what player um, do you think that the Jets should target, um, you know, within the next few days, the next few weeks, or, you know, where should Joe Douglas be looking to help improve this roster, Dylan? I think from a pure team building standpoint, I think the best case scenario would be to attack the offensive side of the ball. Um, just get something to help Zach Wilson, whether it's a weapon or uh, protection. And in this case, I'm going to choose the protection aspect of it. I'm going to bang the table for Morgan Moses. Uh, the Jets, depending on what the Crowder restructure looks like, I think they're going to have upwards of $30 million in cap space. So that's definitely tops in the league. They were top before that. So adding $5 million is just going to make it better. So, I mean, Morgan Moses would be my pick. You'd bring him in. He'd start at right tackle for you right away. Uh, George Fant would become your swing tackle. And I know that would probably create some friction uh, between him and the organization potentially. But if he, um, similar to Crowder, you know, if he takes, you know, a look at the team and says, hey, maybe my role doesn't necessarily have to be a starting role. It can be a role player. You know, I can be a bench guy that comes in. We saw Makai miss all or part of eight games. We've said that multiple times on this podcast. So you mm-hmm. you just want somebody that could come in and play left tackle. We don't want to see McDermott out there or Chuma Doga out there at left tackle. So I would say bring bring Morgan Moses in at right tackle, have Fant as the swing tackle, and right there your your three top offensive tackles, that's, that's a really solid group. Uh, in terms of depth and starters, I mean, Morgan Moses, I talked about a couple weeks ago, he's played over 6,000 snaps at right tackle over the last five years, 1,900 in the last two. He only gave up two oh. holding penalties and two false start penalties in 2020. So it's not like he's a, a penalty liability or a durability liability. You know, he's going to be on the field every time. So it's kind of the exact opposite of what the Jets have had and that's a solid core of the offensive line that's not going to miss games. And then depending on who wins right guard, I think, you know, GVR leads that clubhouse right now. He played 12 to 13 games last year, and the only game he didn't play 100% was the game he got hurt in. So you look at that and you say right guard, right tackle would be <clears throat> pretty durable. And then the, the other three we've talked about, you know, at length, you know, Mackay, Becton, AVT, and McGovern, and then, who knows, you have a top 15, top 12 offensive line at the end of the year, and silently nobody's talking about the Jets as being one of these, you know, sneaky good offensive lines, which we haven't had mm-hmm. since the Rex Ryan days. So my, my my bet would be Morgan Moses. I had a couple other options I could go, but I went Morgan Moses, help out the offense. Uh, what did you do with the remaining money? Yeah, Um you know, and, and I can't disagree with anything that you said right there. I think that um, that would be a solid move to do. I think that it shows that you're, you are putting in all your chips into the Zach Wilson camp, and, and you're going to make sure that this kid has the cleanest jersey on the field every Sunday, and that should definitely mm-hmm. be the game plan here. So I really can't, you know, debate that take and, and going for a player – that has that experience, has played the position in, at a quality high level, and it's almost a head-scratching thing that, that he's actually still available at this point. So 
Um, you know, yeah, exactly. I know that the Jets have had multiple um, guys from the beat say that they're they're quite interested in this scenario here. So, um, you know, go, go all in for that. I have no argument for that. But, uh, you know, I'll go to the defensive side for this take. And uh, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm definitely still concerned with the cornerback room. Uh, I know a lot of people said, you know, what are you worried about? We got Bryce Hall and we still got Bless Austin. Well, you know, Bryce Hall, I definitely um, – am higher on than plus Austin at this point because I think I've seen a little bit more of Austin than I have of Hall. And we did see some good things from Bryce Hall last year, but he is coming into a different um, defensive scheme. Uh, You know, when I think when Hall was coming into the fold, I don't know if he was before Greg Williams got let go or possibly after. So we really don't know, you know, if things got altered that much from when he was out on the field it didn't look like he was asked to do too much rather than, you know, um, you know, cover three kind of stuff. And um, there were times where, you know, he showed some good plays and then there were times where he showed his rookie uh, mistakes. And uh, I think as far as Bless Austin's concerned, we've also seen the back of his jersey uh, far too many times. And he was benched multiple times as well um, under Greg Williams. And, you know, health has always been a concern with Bless Austin. I'm not saying that he's injury prone. Maybe he's just unlucky. Uh, so, you know, if there was a name that I talked about months ago that I thought the Jets should target in free agency, and that hasn't changed. And I think Richard Sherman is that veteran type that, that would really bolster the, mm-hmm. the defensive side. I think that, you know, he's still got a little bit of that rah-rah in him, and, and he's got that veteran leadership. Is he going to come on a team-friendly deal? I doubt it. Um, but what he brings to the table as far as being a mentor and still being able, you know, if, if we're assuming that we're going to be dealing with, you know, um, a lot of zone um, schemes and, and a variation of, you know, cover three, cover two, you know, quarters and things like that, um, you know, Salah gets really, really creative with the way that he puts his personnel out there for certain packages. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys say that it, it's dog work play man and cover you know if you're that that lockdown corner that's playing star coverage and star coverage is when you're playing the you know one-on-one with the best wide receiver that they have on on the team um you know you're going from left to right you know and by the end of the game you know if you don't have your legs with you you can get beat so i think that the way that this defense is going to look is we're going to be looking at a little bit more zone in certain areas so that we ask their players to do a little bit less and we might be getting more from them. Um, so, you know, bringing in a guy that understands Robert Sala's defense, having been a part of it the last couple seasons or a few seasons, uh, I think that that's, you know, a no brainer move too. And if there ever is a chance where, you know, we can get both individuals in, in our scenarios here, Dylan, I think that that would be the best case for, for the jets. Um, see, to figure out a way, if you got to upload bonus money, to make it work for the cap, go for it, Joe Douglas. This all gas, no break, you know, thing that we keep seeing here. Um, what's stopping us at this point? You know, saving this money yeah. and carrying it over next year seems lucrative, but I don't want to be looking at this season being like, wow, we had this money. We could have went and pursued these particular players to, you know, add to depth and make us stronger and things like that, and we just didn't do it. We didn't pull the trigger don't want to be talking about stuff like that in September and October, you know, and looking at players from the second or third string that are struggling. And it's like, man, if we had only had the foresight to, to make a move with these guys, you know, back in June or July, 
um, don't want to be having those conversations down the roads, you know. Um, it, yeah. And I'm seeing here we're, I, we're going away, but go ahead, Dylan, if you have another point to add here. I was going to say just from a, from a schematic standpoint and a defensive intelligence standpoint, I think Richard Sherman would be the A1 choice to add for this defense. Um, he probably wouldn't be the most cost-effective unless, you know, him and Stoller really talked talked about it and he was willing to take a team-friendly deal. We've heard all about he doesn't want to come out on the, the East Coast or what have you, but I think if, if no team offers and the Jets are still sitting there, you know, he might not have any choice. Um, but I was going to say just uh, another defensively s- smart person that I was going to add before I chose Morgan Moses in the end was uh, Quan Alexander, uh, the linebacker who's coming oh, off yeah. an injury from mm-hmm. uh, San Francisco. I think he, he could have been something. And then I also thought that that would be more of a contingency plan if C.J. Mosley didn't look the part, but he's looked every bit of the part. And then another sleeper that I thought they could spend some money on, you were talking about, um, you know, preseason cuts and veteran cuts further into the offseason. Any type of kicker that comes available, I think the Jets oh should uh, entertain. This is, uh, this is a joke that the Jets don't have a kicker. Um, they seem to have a really good uh, long snapper and a punter, but they can't figure it out as far as kicker, the one that actually scores points and can win you football games yes. result. We've lost football games because of it. So my sleeper choice would be spend some money on the kicker, but I can't complain about anything that you said about Sherman. He's, he's a dog. Saul loves them. He knows the defense. He'll teach the nuances to all the young, excuse me, to the young guys. So all positives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guy I was just talking about the other day and, eye-rolling as I'm seeing tweets about, you know, missed kicks again and, and during the summertime. And, and, you know, with exception to last year not being able to go to camp with COVID, we're still seeing those struggles coming from the kick, kicking uh, corner. And it's just – it mind boggles me that, you know, this seems like maybe the – it should be the easiest position, I feel, to, to fill. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get a guy out there that can hit 75 to 80% of his kicks and he stays healthy for 16 games – I just don't understand why we've continued to have this rotation and, and, and just struggle to, to find somebody that, you know, gives us, you know, like you said, um, that, that comfortable feeling, you know, when, when the game's on the line and we're down by a point or two and a field goal is the determination of, of a win or a loss. Um, you don't want to have somebody that, that's questionable back there or, or has limitations. Um, you know, if you're outside the 40-yard mark. Um, you know, this is something that the Jets should not sleep on. Um, they should prioritize that um, and bring in two, bring in three, bring in four guys. I mean, heck, I will volunteer and I will lead the charge, you know, walking around for, uh, <laughs> you know, with, with, with signs, you know, looking for kickers for hire, you know, things like that. I, I'll do what I can for this team. Um, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I know we talked about that the other day, Dylan. But um, let's let's get into uh, the one player that that has been on our mind the last week or two, and we keep seeing these these little um, you know tidbits coming from the beat about you know today you know yet again this player shined and you know he's making some waves out there early on and you know everything's always you know wonderful during this time of the year, but who I'm talking about is Elijah Moore. And, um, man, is it really, really 
exciting to, to see some of the things that, that these guys are talking about, um, you know, making plays, one-hand catches, you know, 40-yard bombs laying out and, and, and you know, uh, just – being that playmaker that we saw at Ole Miss, um, you know, it seems like um, this may not be as hard of a transition for Elijah Moore coming from the collegiate to the NFL level here. Um, so, you know, I know that this was somebody that was on your radar all draft season and you were very excited and a bit unexpected. Um, you know, we have to say that, you know, we didn't really think Moore was in the cards. But, um, yeah, what, what is your take on the on the early – buzz coming from the Elijah Moore. I'm glad you mentioned specifically the transition to the NFL, because when you start looking at prospects, you know, as a Jets fan, you know, history shows, you start watching draft prospects around Halloween because we're two and six or one and seven, or in this case last year, zero and eight, and there's nothing to play for except a draft pick. So you're looking around and you're finding guys and, you see names like Elijah Moore, and you're like, okay, this guy's productive in the SEC, playing against top-tier talent. And then you, you turn on the film, and you're like, oh, he's doing this? And, and you see him cutting up some Alabama defenders on sluggo routes, catching the ball with, with a safety over the top, coming down to pelt them at the same time, and he holds on to the ball. And then you see – I think it was Robbie Sabo tweeted something about intelligent explosiveness as far as creating space at the top of his routes in camp these past few weeks. And that's something that I particularly saw on film. You saw whenever he got ahead of the receiver or the defender, excuse me, he didn't just, just go away from the receiver, you know, he heard the defender, he, he got separation, but he did it at a time that it was a super smart time right when the ball is about to get there and it makes the defender have no choice. He, he can't make a play on the ball. And that's something that I, I saw him tweet about, which I saw all over his old Miss tape. And then the stuff that we haven't been able to see yet, which we'll probably see more of once camp comes around with the pads is the yards after catch. And everybody, uh, all the coaches seem to think that that's his best trait. So if he's doing all this from an intelligence standpoint, from a route nuance standpoint, already and they're saying okay but his yards after catch is still the best thing he can do I, I don't know what mm. else we can see from this guy that doesn't convince any fan really that this guy could be the real deal and it's hard to say that he'll lead the receiving group in you know catches yards touchdowns whatever but there's a fair chance that in this offense which is so wide open that he could be the leading wide receiver if there's no reason why it, it couldn't happen Obviously, Jameson Crowder, you know, makes it a little tougher, adds another mouth to feed, but obviously you don't hope for injuries. But if an injury were to occur, I think Elijah Moore would step right up and he could legitimately be a wide receiver one. We have Corey Davis, but those guys are 1A and 1B in my mind. It's not a matter of, okay, Elijah Moore is like probably the third or fourth best. I can I can say right now that at the end of this year, we'll be talking about him as the first or second best wide receiver on this team. And honestly, I think it's not even a bold take to say that he's just AJ Brown's video kind of confirmed a lot of the things that you see about a player that you can't confirm because you don't know the personality or the makeup of the human being. But when you saw that AJ Brown video and just talking about how he has the potential to be better than him and he learned 
from mm-hmm. Elijah Moore himself being the older player. I think like those things just confirm what you see on tape about him just wanting to be a better receiver day in and day out and learning every little detail about what he can do, footwork, route stems. You know, there's a small yeah. video. You can't really tell the Jets put it out, but it's an Elijah Moore route. And they just said little indication, little indication. They were just complimenting him on his route. And it meant that he was not showing at all that he was going to run that out route. Little indication meant that he was staying on his vertical stem and at the last second cut it out and became an out route. So that's the stuff that you love to see. He's an intelligent wide receiver. He should have gone higher. I had zero hopes or chance like that he was going to be there after we traded up from 23. But, hey, you know, luck is a, a bit of a draft process, and the Jets certainly got lucky, and I think – the league will be talking about him for a long time. Yeah, you know, the first thing that comes to me is that he's motivated, um, he's humble, um, he has a game plan. I mean, he wrote this just the other day, I'm trying to be the best, that's why I'm so hard on myself. Um, you know, hey, young man, Rome wasn't built in a day, but, you know, I like the fact that he has yep. a standard in his mind already, and that was something that I talked about when we were doing the draft after the draft and we were kind of previewing some of the players here, what I noticed with him, he always seems to have a plan when he's at the line of scrimmage and how he sets up his routes. And, and I think that we're going to see more of that stuff, you know, as we go along mm-hmm. here and I'm looking at the clock here, we got about three and a half minutes left. So I'll make my take quick and then we're going to wrap up for the week. I mean, wow, that 45 minutes went real fast tonight, but um, that was fast. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. It really flew by. But, you know, just some, some things that have come from the beat. I mean, you know, Rich, Rich Samini put out an article. Um, this is the wide receiver that the Jets have been looking for for the last two decades. It's a bold statement. Um, you know, and then Connor Hughes always likes with his little puns, you know, Elijah Moore with an insane catch from Wilson. What more do you want? Um, Got to love the play on words there. Uh, but these are the things that we, we continue to see and, you know, um, you know, and, and, and it's very exciting. You know, this kid has got really good work ethic. He's got a lot of good wide receivers in his camp that he's close with that he's been, you know, training with. And, you know, A.J. Brown seems to be like, I'm not going to say his best friend, but they, they're very close. And, uh, you know, they, they've been working out together. And, you know, A.J. Brown is, you know, going to be one of the top ten wide receivers in this league as far as I'm concerned. I think he's might be already there, but we'll see what he does this year. Um, and, hey, if he can just be a fraction of what A.J. Brown has shown over the last couple of years, uh, we definitely got a baller in-house. And, and, again, this could be the go-to guy for Zach Wilson. This could be the combination that we've been looking for with a quarterback and a wide receiver that we haven't seen in years. And I think that that's probably one of the most exciting things. You know, I'm getting goosebumps right now. You can't, you can't see it, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm getting that those football vibes and that smell in the air. Um, getting that itch. But yeah, we're we're yeah, the itch is coming, man. And you know, my buddies are talking about you know tickets and and planning games, and I might be planning a game down in Florida with my family. So uh, this, this is just all great awesome. conversation. You know, we could talk about Jets all day long, and you know, maybe hopefully at some point, you know, you mean um, Dylan and I can link up at a game and. And, you know, uh, talk some football, you know, up close and personal, too. That, that's definitely something I'm, I'm hoping that oh, we yeah. can do um, that's you know, sooner than later. 
But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we got a minute here. Um, so, everybody, um, you know, thanks again, Dylan and Glenn, filling in for me for the last few weeks. Glad to be back talking Jets with you guys. Um, looking forward to seeing what the Jets bring to us next week. Um, you know, we're going to continue to see these updates as the week rolls by with, with minicamp. Everybody showed up, so that, that's, that's a good thing to do. I think that's the first time in a long time we don't have any holdouts or contract rifts or anything to deal with that's, you know, borderline yep. dr- drama. So really, really good stuff from, from that aspect. And, um, yeah, everybody, you know, thanks again. Um, we're going to sign off here. Uh, Dylan, have a good night. Um, hopefully the three of us uh, can link up next week and and uh, continue to talk about, you know, this team that we are hoping, uh, you know, breaks the narrative this year. So everybody from uh, Dylan, Glenn, and I from Jet Nation, um, have a good week, and we will talk to you guys soon. As always, go Jets. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!